Hello and ha welcome to Hash Rugby Chats 20. Oh no, we're going to, well, I was going to talk 2020 New Year's uh, sort of predictions, but instead we'll call it New Year's resolutions as we'll have a chat about what some um, resolutions various teams and players should have, as well as give you a few predictions as to what's going to happen next year. And I say we because not only is it myself, hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, but also joining me is Mr. Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Oh, good evening. Good evening, Paul. Once again, a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM, but on the very, very last day of 2019. So just want to wish everybody out there a very, very happy and prosperous new year. And uh, also, I hope that all the sides that you support next year were way better than what they were in 2019. Um, except for Saracens, obviously, who will obviously, who will have um, less money to spend on their team. Ab um, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I do have my um, extra Chiefs jersey on uh, this evening. Um, cheers, sir. Um, I've got the bubbles for my third, yeah, my third glass tonight. So, hey, we're doing well. And Stephen's on his coat. Different types of bubbles, but hey, he sells that stuff. So, uh, blame all your kids for his rotten teeth, for their rotten teeth. Sorry, not his rotten teeth. You know what I mean? That was, that was no sugar, by the way. No sugar. Oh, good boy. Good boy. <laughs> um. Talking of um, the Premiership, have you seen the Premiership table um, recently? Yes, yes, I have. I've got it uh, right here in front of me, all, all printed off. And um, printed off. Course, How old school is it, that? I've got it printed off as well. I know, unbelievable. Exeter Chiefs, after <laughs> uh, seven rounds, lead that, who are on twenty-four points from uh, Northampton Saints. Only a, only a point between these two teams at the moment. Interestingly enough, they are. The, the two best attacking teams in in the competition, but not necessarily the best defensive team. Best defensive team in the competition, ironically, is Saracens, Paul, with 101 points. And we see Gloucester in third place. Well, actually, there's, there's, there's a few sides that have scored more points next to. Oh, yes. best, best points difference, but actually... Oh, yes, 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 you, yes, you, yes, you are right. They are up there, but they're probably, in terms of, uh, I suppose, if you want consistency... They're obviously scoring some points and they're obviously defending reasonably well. What's that work out to after about seven rounds? They're only, it looks like they're only conceding about sort of 15 points a game. So that's yep. not a bad, not a bad exit from uh, effort from Exeter Chiefs. Of course, uh, you've got Northampton Saints who started the season pretty well under Chris Boyd on 23 points. And you've got two teams together on 18 points, uh, Gloucester and Bristol both on 18 points, although Bristol will probably be asking asking themselves how they uh, gave up that uh, game against uh, Wasps on the weekend. And then we see Bath and Worcester Warriors on 17, along with Sale, all on 17. In fact, we've got four teams on 17 points. Bath, Worcester, Sales and Harlequin, all on 17 points. And then back to London, Irish, Wasps, Leicester Tigers and Saracens back on minus 12. So I think even the likes of Leicester Tigers will be Slightly looking over their shoulder, Paul. Slightly, oh, I think. I think. Uh, I think Irish. Um, I, um, yeah, Irish. I've got a screen over there. Irish um, wasps and tigers will all be looking over their shoulders at Saracens mm. um, most mm. definitely because they are closing extremely fast. The the rest of them, though, I mean, yeah, third down to eighth, um, just one point separates them. So yeah, there's still a lot of room there for those teams to to to, to move up and down. But there is a bit of a gap then from eighth to ninth, um, five points down to um, London Irish. So you think that relegation side's probably going to come out of Irish wasps and tigers. Obviously, 
pardon me, um, Tigers with just the one win so far and the draw um, are the side that's looking at the most vulnerable. But they are starting to pick up. I mean, they had a good half against Extra Chiefs last weekend. Um, and then they got the draw at the weekend against Harlequins. So Tigers showing some kind of form. Um, but though, yeah, it's those three teams that Saracen's hunting down. And I think they're going to catch them quite comfortably, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's no real worry there. Uh, it really is Exeter and Saracens and then the rest, in all mm. honesty. Um, <laughs> God. Yeah, um, very much Saracens so, Paul. But we are, we, are, we are seeing some really, really good open open footy, and we, we're seeing the emergence of a, a, a few young guys, and I'll, I'll, I'll touch upon a player um, very shortly who picked up a uh, who, who picked up a hat trick of uh, of tries in in his game, young young Welsh winger. But um, our first game started at Ashton Gardens on um, Saturday morning or Friday evening English time, and of course uh, Wasp coming away with the win by twenty six points to twenty one. Um, crazy old game, this you know. I think both sides probably did their best to. To, to maybe win and lose this game, but I must admit, I think I might have sent you a message, Paul, leading up until half-time. It was a pretty dour sort of a affair leading up to half-time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Ben Darwin has put out a tweet saying that, uh, he says it's interesting how uh, a whole bunch of sides have started really well, and the two that spring to mind are Saints and Bristol, um, who weren't that disrupted by the World Cup um, absentees, and now struggling. Um, but if you think about extra chiefs uh, until the last couple of years, they've actually had this patch over the festive period where they've lost four or five games on the trot. So this is the cold, wet, really um, part of the year. So Saints and Bristol both, I mean, two of the most um, attacking sides in in the league. Um, unsurprisingly, that as soon as uh, it gets wet, the ground gets a bit heavier. Mm. They're, they're, they're they're finding things a little bit tougher going. So. Unsurprised, so yeah, but not not surprised that those two sides will sort of slow down a bit now over the next um, over the next few weeks. Yeah, this this game pretty much came alive in the, the second half. We actually saw some really really good tries. We saw a couple of former All Blacks who went and went for tries, uh, Pieto and and also Fikitoa. Uh, uh, but to me, the the player of the player of the match was uh, the boy uh, Robson for the uh, for the halfback Robson for the uh, for Wasp. I, I thought he was superb. I know Pat Lamb changed his halfback with about uh, 20 odd minutes to go. He seemed to make a, a little bit of a, a, a difference for um, for Bristol when the replacement halfback came on, but Robson was pretty good throughout the game and he pretty much had Wasp playing playing in the right areas. Yeah, it's, it's, Wasp have got a lot of good players. The problem has been getting them together as a team. So, right, it's hard to say that, look, the, the team's too talented to go down um, because it does happen. So uh, they, they are going to need to turn things around. But, but yeah, they, they are, they, 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 they're perhaps out of those three, the one that I'm least worried about. Um, Irish and Tigers are ones that I, I am definitely worried about. But um, yeah, there were a couple of games that were uh, over the weekend. I mean, there's one game I can't remember now was, was, was 3-0 at half time and ended up being quite a high scoring one um, as well. So, yeah, a lot of second halves have been jumping into life uh, recently. Um, maybe that's just as, as teams work each other down uh, or, or sound each other out. Or maybe it's just that the, the, uh, the, there's not enough or, or the teams are overcoached and they need the coaches at half time to, to alter things. I don't know. Um, but those are two things that um, 
that will that 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 will see. Um, just quickly in the live chats, um, yeah, happy new year to Simon and also to God Guku. Um, great to um, great 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 to see you there. God Guku's New Year's wish is for Wales um, to beat New Zealand. Well, we will um, we'll see about that uh, as, as 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 the year goes as as the season goes on. We'll, we'll give you some predictions. Um, Paul, later. Paul, yep. just want to touch on the on, on the next game. I, I went pretty much through the highlights as well. Of course, uh, uh, Northampton beating uh, lost at thirty three twenty six, but not a, you know not a bad um, not a bad effort um, from from Gloucester. Although Northampton were coming off a, a couple of losses, I think they lost previously to Sale and also uh, Leinster in uh, European European Cup rugby. So. It was important that they actually bounced back, and they they pretty much did that. Uh, a couple of uh, couple of standouts, uh, former South African halfback uh, Kabus Runnick, scoring a scoring a couple of tries. Probably the best player on the field. But I just also want to, like I say, highlight. It's also good to see some really good youngsters coming through. And there's a winger by the name of uh, Reese Zamet who scored three tries. And this kid's only 18 years old, and he scored three tries in in this game. Uh, you know. A couple of them were quite easy walk-in finishes, but, you know, the reality is to see a youngster, and uh, um, I know people who support the Welsh Dragons will be very happy because he is Welsh, not English, unfortunately, Paul. Um, and he did score well, previous. He did score on debut as well. We have this absolute idiot um, called Andy Goode. Um, so, yes, there you go. Uh, not, not, I'm not a fan of him at all. Uh, but he, yeah, he he tweeted, oh, quick, um, is, he, is he English or Welsh? And... Uh, he very and, and thankfully the player replied very quickly with, with the Welsh flag. Uh, and let's, let's hope he sticks with that. To be honest with you, uh, if that's where he where, where he feels it's wrong, we've had players like Ben Morgan um, and uh, Underhill who have both played in Wales and have come back to England to play for England. So yeah, I, I'm just absolutely happy for Reese to go and play to, 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 yeah. be, to be Welsh and, and yeah, one, one, Welsh as well. One one player and he was getting compared a little bit to Sonny Bill Williams as, as the boy Mark Aikinson who plays second five. For Gloucester, there were a lot of breaks through the midfield. You just wonder if uh, Northampton were, were missing the likes of uh, the former Hurricanes man who's injured at the moment. Um, just escapes me, Proctor, Matt Proctor, who's yep. uh, out, out injured at the moment. So uh, there were a lot of breaks through the middle. But Atkinson, very impressive. Looks a really big mid, 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 big midfielder. Looks like he's around that six foot two, six four size. And he was being compared to, uh, to Sonny Bill. A poor man's version of Sonny Bill, I think. Former England prop David Flatman described him as. Well, yes. Um, Sonny Bill has got a unique set of skills. Let's be let, 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 let's be blunt here. Um, but I was listening to the Attacking Scrum podcast, which is a Welsh-focused um, podcast. They talk about Reese and they're saying, um, look, that uh, yeah, perhaps get him, get him capped just to lock him into Wales. But look, let, let's just hold you. Actually, was it, actually, maybe it was blood and mud. Sorry, um, it was saying. But let's let's just. Calm the horses down. He's played a couple of good games. Yes, he's quick, but there's more to being winger than just being quick, folks. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he can finish, but can he defend? Can he do all the other things? Let's just let's just give this kid a few more games before we make him the next best thing at the since ever. Yeah, Paul, in between the middle, probably a couple of games between. I, I think you could probably call Bath and Sale. Bath getting across the line in a, in, in a close game by... Uh, uh, 16, 16 points to, to 14 at the recreation ground. So I think the home team will be happy about that. But people viewing the game would have probably thought, what a yawn. Yeah. Then we uh, we sort of moved to uh, to Worcester, who played at Six Way Stadium in Worcester. And once again, 
probably another another game that really never got to any sort of uh, great great heights. Um, London Irish would be a bit disappointed with their uh, with their uh, discipline, though. A couple of their players, uh, Delhi, the front rower, and uh, our boy um, Matu, um, who used to play uh, for the Hurricanes, was uh, given his marching orders with a, a red card. So a twenty points to six victory, and. Um, then, we, of course, we had 75,000 rock up to Twickenham to watch Harlequins and Leicester play, Paul. Good crowd. Um, yeah, absolutely. A good crowd there. I, was gonna say, I thought you were going to jump onto the extra Saracens one where we had another red card um, and Saracens involved in another mass brawl. Um, I, was saving, I was saving that for last, Paul. We said that for last. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, Saracens seem to be getting involved in these brawls a little bit too frequently at the moment. So, yes. Um, now, a player running off the bench and getting involved, yeah, not quite so cool. Um, and yes, deserve the red card. Um, so yes, I think people are looking at Saracens and seeing them as an easy wind-up at the moment. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how that's uh, if we see more of those. But I think yeah, do you think some people, some other teams are going to going to sort of try and uh, goad Saracens into a bit of a fight? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think they'll I think they'll probably be a, a, a lot of cheap shots. But you know, Saracens, Saracens team, man, they they have got a lot of class. In their team, a lot of internationals, you know, uh, Elliot Daly on the wing, Maitland was on the wing, oh. Barrett, you know, Barrett at second five, Owen Farrell, my God, there's some quality there. And if you sort of even look into their forward pick, uh, a middle row of Otoji and Skelton, boy, you'd have a middle row like that every day of the week and and, and twice on Sunday. And uh, an international front row of Winnie Polo, George and Cock, and um, you're chucking uh, Billy Winnie Polo in the, in the boot. That's, I know, regardless of whether it being a home game, that's... Still a hell of an ex- effort from Exeter. That was a very, should I say, defence-orientated games, and it's probably seen by the three tries that were scored, Paul. Um, probably the all scored from close range, but I think the key moment in this game was just before half-time where uh, Saracens were, were pretty much went through their forwards. Um, during during that time, there was a uh, Exeter player that was sent to the bin, and you'd almost, you'd, you'd almost back... Uh, uh, Saracens in from there to score a try, but um, Exeter amazingly held them out. And, um, and, and although, like you say, a bit of a bit of a brawl at the end, not not really flash on the on the part of Williams, who was who had already been yellow carded. So I think he left, he pretty much left uh, Wayne Barnes, who I thought did a pretty good job as well, Paul, under the circumstances. Well, like um, this, this was a game that we knew was going to uh, blow up at some point. Okay. Extra side that have come out um, and probably one of, if not the most outspoken against Saracens and the salary cap breach. Uh, and then to hold out Saracens for, what was it in the end, 79 minutes. The Saracens only scored through a penalty drive. They didn't actually cross the whitewash themselves um, is something pretty um, crazy. So it's unsurprising that the best referee in the world it has been put in charge of what was probably the feistiest um, or, or, or had definitely the, the the potential to be the feistiest club game of the season in the Premiership, to be honest. Um, so yes, uh, it doesn't uh, doesn't surprise that they put Wayne Barnes in charge of it, and he, he he's a class operator. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, an interesting sort of footnote, just uh, on the Premiership overall. I don't know if you've you've read it, but on stuff, former England. Um, international hooker Brian Moore 
has basically come out with um, just a few things in and in and around the the modern modern game, and it, basically he's he's pretty much come out and said former England hooker Brian Moore says rugby authorities should scrap conversions and do more to speed up the game. Moore, who played 64 tests between 87 and 95, made the call in his regular Daily Telegraph column. column. The 57-year-old solicitor turned TV pundit, shivers, that's impressive, said he would remove conversions and make a try seven points. Why should thrilling back movements resulting in a try in the corner have much more difficult extra two points from the conversion? He reckons what was bugging him was the time that was basically uh, taking with the conversions. But, you know, I think I think it's easy fixed. I Listen, I've always wondered why a referee shouldn't just carry the tee around, shouldn't carry a couple of tees, Paul, if you know what I mean. And from the time that he calls the penalty, puts it down on the mark, I reckon you've got a minute to have to set yourself up and shoot for goal. What do you think, Paul? Uh, well, that's pretty close to what it is now, isn't it? I mean, basically, it's... It's, a, it's 60 seconds from when the tee comes on. Now, that allows teams a bit of gamesmanship in the fact that they can um, uh, they, they can be s- slow about bringing the tee on. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, we, we have seen, seen players um, deliberately wait for the clock to, do, to, to, to click to a certain point before they kick it to deliberately kill a game. There's a certain element of Managing the clock is actually part of gamesmanship, or not gamesmanship. Sorry, it's part of it's part of the the, the skill of the game. Um, so I'm 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 fine with that to be honest with you. But it's other ones about the amount of time it takes for lineouts, um, the amount of time it takes for scrums, and the amount of time that um, scrum halves get given to box kick at the back of a ruck. Those yeah. three are areas I would like tidied up. Um, yeah, the use it law should be much quicker. I mean, it doesn't have to be at the back foot of a caterpillar. Um, for it to be available, let's be honest. Um, so as soon as the caterpillar starts forming, yeah, use it, and you've got just, what ten or ten seconds or whatever it's supposed to, be, or five seconds you're supposed to use to use it. Don't don't spend the next ten seconds rolling it back and told to use yeah. it again. Sorry, folks, but yeah, those those things need to be need to be sped up. Exactly. I mean to say, they they pretty much they pretty much when they do that when they basically do the engage and hit, it's all done done on time. So I think it's only fear that they speed up some other uh, speed up some other areas yeah yeah no, absolutely yeah that's fair for us um maybe stricter about it i mean he, he makes a point here that there was one minute 45 seconds for one in, in one situation so yeah i think the referees have the tools at their at the disposal especially around those two areas not so much the line outs or the scrums um or well perhaps the line outs because you're not supposed to form up and have a chat first you're supposed to go straight to the line out so um, it's only really scrums where 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 it needs it's needed if the referees actually use the laws that they already have at their disposal. To be honest, mm. um, but yeah. Um, another interesting one before we get on to sort of predictions and things is the um, how much players get paid by position across the European leagues. Have you have you? Um, I, obviously, I, I put the tweets in the in the. Uh, in, in, in our show notes, I don't know if you've had a chance to read them yet, um, but it's interesting to see that it's, how it's changed from last year um, to this year. Now, I guess something to point out here, folks, is that, look, the salaries aren't publicly available, um, so there's an element of research slash guesswork um, involved in all of this. 
But last year, the most valuable position was the number 10 jersey. That was the best paid um, across the board. Um, and the worst paid were um, hookers in the Premiership and the, uh, and, and the Pro 14, which probably explains why so many lineouts are missed. Um, and, um, and loose head prop for the top 14, which is a bit of a strange one, um, really. Um, but there's been quite a change this year. I mean, you'd expect Thames to be in charge. There's been a big change this year um, looking at it. Um, and now that four and five, or the lock position locks, are the best paid players in both the Premiership <laughs> and the Guinness Pro 14. That's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? It's, it, it's, it's a huge surprise. I know in the Northern Hemisphere game, that obviously forward play is 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 very 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 valuable and and I would imagine having having good locks but I would I would have thought that to have those good locks winning lineup well you'd need good hookers but um, just based, just based on stats at the moment Paul who the heck would we who the heck would want to become a, a hooker because you're probably going to be the worst paid paid player of the uh, of, of the fifteen because uh, um, the number twos are pretty much anchored both in 2018 and 2019, 2020, are pretty much anchored to the bottom. So you're right, it is a little bit of a concern. I'm just sort of trying to think off the top of my head who are some of the quality locks. I know there's a few quality South African locks that have made their way up to the Northern Hemisphere after the World Cup, Paul. Absolutely. They've made it on for Pro 14, um, in all honesty. No, sorry, but yeah, sorry, the top 14 to France, where they're third best, best paid. Um, but yes, there has been Nexus. And if you go and check for, for your ears only, um, I did a post um, about looking at the Exodus of Super Rugby um, and who was leaving. And that the difference this year compared to the after the last Rugby World Cup, or after the last Rugby World Cup, we saw a lot of wingers leaving. This time around, there's been a lot of locks leaving Super Rugby, which is why I'm not surprised it's in the top 14 it's gone up. Um, but it's, I go back to a, an article I read um, when um, Steve Adams, uh, the uh, NBA player for, from New Zealand um, uh, was sort of broke broke through, and there's all this talk about, oh wow, are we going to see a whole, are we going to see a slew of um, basketball players from New Zealand going across the NBA, or, or are, is this going to drive a whole generation of basketball players? And one of the points that they made then was that look, no, it's not going to be because um, the demographic um, to be a, a professional basketball player is something like 0.1% of the population is tall enough to do it, essentially, at the end of the day. Um, so with only 4 million people, there's not that many people in New Zealand who are genetically big enough to be basketball players. And if you think about it across um, a... Uh, whilst rugby has become less about all shapes and sizes, um, there is the, the, the one position that is, I guess, the most size-driven is lock, as in how tall you have to be. So... Whilst you've got a whole bunch of people who are six foot and can be kind of back row forwards or props, um, there's only so many people who are tall enough to be locks. Um, and so, so maybe it's a genetic thing that the hence that, that's making locks a bit rarer, um, and hence they get paid more. Um, but that, that 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 would be my kind of only thought as to how that could be sort of uh, justified, really. Paul, I was going to say, when I see a, a 15 in the top three or top two in 2018 and, and of course, in third placing in 2019, 2020, I can't help think Charles Pieto is probably uh, 
got a got a good deal of uh, the cash tucked away in, in in his bank account. Would would it would it be based on on some? Would this be pushed up by the, the price of some individual players? Would you think, Paul? I mean, there's going to be an element of that, obviously. Um, I mean, uh, you've got players like Itoji, Cruis, who are going to be obviously uh, um, Launchbury, uh, who, who are going to be trying to be held on to from, from an English point of view. You've got players, players like Jack Ryan, um, who've come through well. I mean, another, Blood and Mud also talked about this one, and they mentioned one of the things about locks is it's one of the, one of the positions that you can play sort of longest in. So you're going to have a bunch of players in their early 30s, and obviously you expect those, once you get to that experience, you expect to get paid more. Um, from that, so um, it's I guess yeah, there's a number of things here. Whereas wingers, for example, I mean we talked about before, wingers by the age of 27 are pretty much burnt out. So mm. you haven't, um, there aren't as many of them on, or, or aren't many so successful ones in their 30s when they could have gained the experience to get a higher pay pack, pay package. But for some reason, somehow, wingers are the best paid players in the top 14, which for a league that is renowned for its forward play and lack of expanse amazes me to be honest um i'm i'm gonna gonna say paul one surprise for me is in the the um top 14 of of, of french rugby is the is the is the value of lucid props obviously not valued very high at all because uh obviously the tight head props are, are are all rated in top in the in the top um top well, five but well, fourth, uh, fourth place across all the leagues yeah yeah ex- ex- exactly so uh but you, you lose head props. Yep, it's just not happening. Yeah, amazing that. Um, so be a tight head prop, don't be a loose head prop. Is is has got to be is definitely the message there. <laughs> move, move over if you can. I'm I'm texting my nephew as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, I mean, sevens um, are, the, are the second worst paid in the Premiership and the Pro 14, um, which is interesting when you think that you've got players. I mean, I, to a certain extent, maybe that's because of the number of young sevens that have come through that still mm. haven't. So your Underhills, your Curries, etc. So maybe a lot of teams have got young sevens at the moment, which might be, which might be driving that. Um, and then Paul, it's all Paul, bit, I was about, I was about to say, I was about to say, um, a lot of good young sevens running around in the Gallo Gallo mm. Premiership at the moment, and uh, most of them are English. Great to see. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, nines. Mid-table for the Gallagher Premiership and the Pro 14, whereas lower lower mid for the top 14. Had a chat about that with somebody the other day. I guess one of the points is I think the French produce quite a lot of um, scrum halves. Uh, I think it's probably possibly the position they go overseas for the least uh, out of all their positions. So maybe that's part of why nine isn't quite isn't quite so high. Is because they're not there aren't so many um, imports playing nine in the Pro four, in the top 14. Um, also, there obviously are exceptions and examples, but I think on the whole, um, I'm not sure there are as many as, as other positions. And one of the reasons perhaps why front row forwards are low in the top 14 is perhaps the number of Georgians that are there. And the fact that uh, maybe uh, if you're coming from Georgia, you're, you're, not, you're, you're happier with a lower salary because when you go home, you don't need as much cash to sort of set yourself up for life. So maybe, maybe there's an element there of, of, of the number of Georgians in the, in the top 14. Well, after seeing a uh, some video footage of uh, one of the most amazing scrum performances by the Brazilian rugby team in 2019, where they basically pushed the team, I don't know, it must have been a good 30 odd metres down down the field. Um, maybe maybe they should be looking in the direction of South America for props. 
Well, Uruguay as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Uruguay, yes. And exactly. Chile. So yes, so head if you want if you want props, um, head to South America, but not Argentina. We've seen Argentina have given up producing props and just produce just produce wingers now. Um, uh, so yes, the so so, so, so there's some interesting things there, folks. Um, I'll put a link down below um, and a link in the the, the article on drivingmall.com to those tweets, so you can have a look at those uh, at, that that, um, at that, that 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 information. Um, so being a New Zealand-based show, obviously Super Rugby coming up. What are your any predictions for Super Rugby as to how teams or players might go? Oh, well, I think when we when we last had a brief chat about the squads, I think we all identified uh, the Chiefs as probably the the strongest out of all the squads if they can remain injury-free. Hopefully, hopefully they haven't got the normal Chiefs curse of of basically having so many injuries throughout a season, but. Uh, on paper, they they still probably look the look the better sides them, and I still think the Crusaders will still put out a reasonably strong side, even though they've lost many of the many of their personnel from previous years. Paul, I think those are probably the two to watch. I'm, this is my I know I say this every year, but I'm expecting a better performance from the Blues. Um, it's, it's got it's got to happen sometime. Seriously. Yeah, I um, something interesting. I mean, can the Haguaris back it up? I think they probably can. Yes, they've lost a few players, um, uh, such as Lapanini and Landajo, um, Inglises. But I think, yeah, I think they can can back it up. So I think I'm looking forward to them. Um, you've got to say, with the mass exodus from Australia, you've got to predict that the Australian teams are going to do poorly, um, especially if there doesn't seem to be one experienced 10 amongst the entire competition. Um, the uh, with perhaps the exception actually with the Rebels um, in the fact that they, they still have Matt Tamur but is he really a 12 rather than a 10 but all the other sides basically haven't got a 10 uh, to, to, to basically run the run the team around um, around the park for the Sunwolves um, good luck guessing what the Sunwolves will do I'm not expecting much because they've had a, they've had a total clear out and it's a, it's a brand new squad pretty much um, so uh, we're not going to see players. I don't think players like Hayden Parker, etc., because of the clash with the um, top league competition over there. A lot of these players will be playing for their companies rather than for the, rather than for Sunwolves. So mm. yeah, um, not expecting much from them. Um, come to South African teams, um, the Bulls. Well, they've got no engine room. They've lost all their locks. So. It's a rebuilding year for the Bulls, for me. The Lions um, actually perhaps haven't lost the level of... Uh, they've lost a few players, perhaps not lost, um, lost the skill they've lost in the previous years. I think, I think the Lions might go well. I, I, I've got to say, Paul, I try to keep... I'm, I'm trying to feel sorry for those South African teams, but I keep envisualising a, a smiling, smirking John O'Connor. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, hey, listen, come, come up, come up, mate. Obviously, going to be tough for, for some of those sides. We all know what these South African sides are. They're, they're a little bit like that um, diesel truck that you start up. They, it's 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 hard to get them going, but once they start grinding and, and rolling, they'll, they'll they'll probably probably be hard to beat at home. But I, gee, with so much experience, I, I kind of feel for some of them on their road trips. Well, yeah, I mean. The... The um the Bulls the only the only one with the same the same head coach this year 
the Lions, the Sharks, the Storms are all changing head coaches. Um, so you've just got to say, look, how well are they going to do with that, um, with, with, with new head coaches? Um, will, yeah, you just say, that D is mentioned. They're all going to take um, an element of getting to know the coaches and slowly speeding up. So um, the Lions at least had um, Ivan Van Rien um, towards the end there. Um, but um, the other three, that's uh, the other two, the Sharks and Stormers, it's a bit of a guess. It, it, don't expect much out of them at the beginning of the season, I think, essentially. Top try scorer, Sever Reese. Is there anyone else that some um, you can? Mm, that's a that's a that's a good one. Um, yeah, you, you, you know he's always going to be he's always going to be be, sniff, be sniffing around. Um, I'm just trying to think who the uh, the chief chiefs the chief swingers are this year. Paul, who'll be who'll be running around on the for the wing for the chiefs this year? Um, so running around for the um, uh, for the chiefs on the wing this year, we've got players like Solomon Almalo. Um, uh, um, Kini Naholo is an interesting one for you. Yeah, um, yeah. Nanai Satoro, Sean Stevenson, um, Sean Wainui, Alex, um, uh, Balin Sullivan, uh, kind of the players around that kind of that, that kind of space. So there's Solomon Amalo and Sean Wainui, I guess, would probably be the first, or maybe Sean Stevenson would probably be the first choice players uh, when it comes up to when. At the, at the beginning of the season, and your your Naholos, um, Sullivan, Nanasatora are going to have to try and force their way in. I think. Mm. I, yeah, I can see them being switched around quite a lot there. I can't see them. I, th- th- there's not a definite kind of these that these are your first choice two wingers to me. Mm. Um, I wonder how far away the likes of da- Damian McKenzie is from from uh, returning to rugby. He, he's back training at the at the minute, I believe. I believe he's back training, so I think he'll start the season. But yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. So yeah, so Dave McKenzie's another one. I mean, if we go to South Africa, um, you've got um, Dancy for um, uh, for, the, for the Lions. Uh, if he's not banned, I don't know if he's got a, if he if he's if he's um, uh, if, he, if he's got if he's actually got a drug ban or not um, there. But um, uh, in Cozy, obviously, will be. Uh, uh, up there, oh, who's that ball's winger that plays sevens? I was thinking of um, Speckman. Oh, Sinet, Sinet one. No, no, Speckman. One is one I think. Also there, but yeah, Speckman is one of um, that, 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 that could that will be interesting to see. So a few guys there potentially who might um, who might score a few, and obviously the Haguaris wingers um, as well uh, would be, yep. be a good a good, um, a, good a, 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 a good shout for the top five scorer. Tell you what, Paul, we shouldn't forget that the Haguaris were a finalist in uh, 2019, and if they can can improve on it, um, uh, they could be a team that could be there or thereabouts at the end. Absolutely. So you've got your players there, like like Moroni, um, Buffelli, Cancellari, um, Malia. I mean, they're all, yeah, there's a whole bunch of players there who could... um, Moyano has moved to Toulon, unfortunately. Uh, they also got two, um, Delgi and Tuchelet coming out of the backfield as well. So yeah, perhaps Argent, yeah, perhaps the Hagraris are the, the place where the top try scorers can come from this next season. Mm. Um, international. Did, did, we t- sorry, did we touch on the Did we touch on the Australian teams? On the what? Sorry. But did we touch on the Australian teams? Well, basically that they're all got brand new tens and base, and that they're going to struggle. 
Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you hope that they, I mean to say, you, you hope that they do well. I, listen, I, I, I think the Reds might do okay next year, Paul, because they were, yet, if you remember, they were a very, very young side. And there were times during Super Rugby, I, I think they actually showed some promise. So, you know, maybe another year under uh, under Brad Thorne, um, they, they could be dangerous. And once again, it'll be interesting to see how the Waratahs go under... Um, is it Rob Penny these days? Well, it would have been Rob Penny, except Rob Penny has gone off to um, has 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 left them and gone to um, oh, <coughs> Penny. I think who's gone to Scotland? No, it's not Penny. Um, it's the other guy. But yes, um, the but they've lost a player. They've lost a head coach to to, um, to Scotland. Because they, they they nicked Scotland's coach for um, uh, to, to, to go to the to, to go to the Brumbies and then they lost the player they lost the coach in return. I'm trying to get, I can't remember if it was Rob Penny or not. Um, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Paul. Sorry, Steve Tandy, who they lost. I just I just jumped on the Australian TAB odds to see who they had as their as their local favourite over there and the Waratahs. Uh, the Brumbies are at twenty one dollars and they are the Look like they're about the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, ninth favourite. My God, they've got the Crusaders at two seventy-five, the Chiefs at four dollars, the Hurricanes at nine dollars, the Blues at eight dollars, the Lions at fifteen, the Highlanders at eleven, the Hagawares at thirteen, and then you're back to the Brumbies at twenty-one, Waratahs at forty-one, Rebels at twenty-six, Sharks, gee. Doesn't, doesn't doesn't appear much of the South African sides aren't rated. The Sharks at 34. Stormers at 26. Bulls at 41. Reds at 81. Well, did I say there were a chance before? Um, you did. I mean, and, I, I, I just... and, and, the, and the Sunwolves at $151. So that's the Australian <laughs> betting odds. So, uh, yeah, even uh, the local punters don't rate their own teams. It's pretty sad. No, you've got to say that yeah, the Hagawaras should top the African group. Um, the only, and anyone they got competition from is, is the Lions. So the Hagawaras should be better. Those are the best odds in that whole crowd. From well, that's the best money from 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 my uh, just from, from listening to you reading it out. Mm. Like you say the finalists last year, they're likely top to the African conference. So they'll get a home semi-final. Um, yeah, they've got to be actually. Uh, yeah, there is some competition this year. Um, so yes, so that, that 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 to me is where the smart money would go. But you've got to say, yeah, Crusaders and Chiefs looking like the two favourites, quite rightly. And just looking at the New Zealand TAB odds, they've got the Crusaders as favourites, Chiefs second, Hurricanes third, Hagawaras fourth, Blues fifth, yeah, Islanders sixth. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, unsurprising that they've, that they've, yeah, okay, there you go. The New Zealand TAB is better than the Australian TAB as far as, uh, as, far as knowing what they're, knowing their eggs, um, as it were. Or eggs? I don't know why I said eggs, but anyway. Um, international rugby. Um, can South Africa uh, dominate and, and, and stay number one after winning the World Cup? Well, that's their, um, that's pretty much their mission statement, isn't it? Uh, from uh, Rusty Erasmus, who steps into the role as director of rugby. Um, yeah, it's one thing saying, it's another It's another thing Another thing doing. I mean, to say, I think South Africa have always sort of proved they're not a bad sort of um, tournament team, but sort of, uh, you know, playing your regular season rugby, a little bit, little bit different. Obviously, it's going to depend on what sort of shape 
a lot of those players that they can utilise overseas are in it, are, are, well, if they're intact and fit um, per se. And um, if they can hit the ground running again, yeah, there's probably no reason. We all know they're going to be a tough team to beat. Um, unfortunately for Australia, it, once again, big job there for Dave Rennie to, to get that mob up and up and running again. And you'll probably have an all-black team that's got a, got a point to prove. Yeah, I think Dave Rennie has got he's put himself, he's put a, a good um, set of coaches around him, uh, so I think we're going to see a better Wallabies outfit next year. But I don't think um, so. But so yeah, it's going to take some time to turn it around. Mm. Um, you say yeah, it, it's it's South African good squad team. Uh, and, you know, the Haguaris need to improve, but you got to say that, uh, that the yeah the All Blacks from a rugby championship point of view are are, are looking pretty good. <clears throat> looking at the Six Nations. This has got to be one of the most in, in, interesting and intriguing Six Nations for a long time. Eddie Jones of England has lost all his assistant coaches. We've got a brand new head coach for Ireland, um, for Wales, uh, and France, and um, Italy, and then we're just Gregor Townsend holding on there with Scotland. Yeah, we, we, you know, with that set up, what, what's your, how how are you seeing things? Oh, listen, I I, I think I think England are, are still the best team. By some distance, in, in 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 the Six Nations, if you look at if you look at the quality quality that they've got across the board, I I think probably Wales. If you if we were basically looking at that the, the 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 rankings, what are they what are they rank number three in the world at the minute, Paul? Uh, above, something around there, but they it's, yeah. it's, they've been jumping up and down, haven't they? <laughs> above Ireland, um, yeah. Once again, they're going to have a they're going to have a bit of a transition. Um, to their new coach Wayne Wayne Pivak as well, so uh, it's going to be interesting. They have got a lot of good youngsters, um, but I, I do think it, it might be a little bit of a, a struggle without. They've got a couple of key players out, Gareth Anscombe, and uh, who's the other chappy that's out at the at, at the at the moment. But when they have got their best um, fifteen or twenty three on the paddock, they are they are a good side. But I still think England, uh, yeah, you know England. They'll probably have a little bit of a rock in their back at the moment, Paul, about the World Cup, um, and they'll and they'll just may, maybe want to want to make a bit more of a, a a point to World Rugby. Yeah, and absolutely, and they've also got um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they've, they've got continuity because I mean that their defence coach become the head coach for Ireland. So um, Batman in the live chat thinks that um, France um, could do it, and that's right. So yeah, France are looking a lot better, and <laughs> they get a proper coach, they've got a real chance. So. Um, the Six yeah, Nations that, should be really interesting this year. Yeah, that that is an interesting one. One thing France have got, and listen, haven't they? Have, have they taken out the two previous under under twenties, under twenty World Cups? Yep. Uh, well, I think one of them. They got they got a lot of. I know watching a bit of the French fourteen, they got some really mm. good young guys running around. You know, the, the likes of um, Emil, is it Intermac, the young guy, um, son of. Um, they've got some good good young players. I I kind of look around. I suppose an area where they might be a little bit weak is is probably at Lockport. If you remember, think back to the World Cup. They used they used pretty much guys who were loose forwards as as lock. But I'm saying that it, it kind of worked for them to a point. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think that um, that yeah, France will be in there as well. So, but Ireland, yeah, to me, I think got a good point to prove. And I think that they're they're the Six Nations. Um, yeah. Favorites, but I think it's, it's going to be a real, oh. real fascinating one. Paul, and, and interestingly enough, I um, a game I tuned in and, and watched was um, 
Leinster and Munster was a, was a, was a, was a, was a good contest, but you know, to me, it kind of reminded it kind of reminded reminded me of very much the national sides. They play in such narrow channels, Paul. You know, they've just got to expand their game a little bit more. They've got some good young players over there, but but man alive, I've got to say, compared to some of the games that I watched in the Premiership, it it, it was quite a a grinding watch. The commentators were commenting on what a great game it was. I was going, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it was a it was it was a grind. It was a tough watch. And in my opinion, you know, in terms of their forwards, the forward play really accuracy. That was there was some absolutely ridiculous phases, thirty odd phases, Paul. But I, but you to, know, to be, once, to be, once to be fair to Leinster, that they, they were away from home to to, to, to Munster to win that one, um, and Leinster haven't lost a game all season in all competitions. Um, so yeah. yes, it might be boring, but it's working, and it's working in Europe oh, as well. And absolutely, but I was sort of thinking to myself, if these are two of the better teams, maybe mm. Ulster. Ulster would probably have a have a say in that as well. Probably Leinster, Ulster, and then Munster, then Connick, probably as your as your as your top four. But I just expe- ex- expected something a bit ex- expensive to, to give them a, a a little bit of slack. Though the conditions weren't the greatest. It was it was very very wind, windy at uh, as at Tom and Tom and Park in Munster. So, and and Leinster also were trying a lot of young guys. Yeah, well, as, as well. the, the RFU makes the Irish provinces rest players over the festive period, uh, which I know has caused some consternation in some some podcasts. But they do it every year, um, mm. to be honest. And the Ireland are probably the best at player welfare in the world, along with um, perhaps New Zealand. So yeah, so it's the it's unsurprising really um, that and, that's, um, and a, that and a good and a good victory by Leinster as well because Munster hadn't been beaten hadn't been beaten at their home ground for a while, from what I believe. Yep, I, Simon says that, yeah, Munster's B teams, yeah, I mean, both sides of players missing, um, rested compulsory, uh, but even so, yeah, Leinster are looking very good, and to win away at Munster takes a lot, of, it, it, it's always a good result. Um, the, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that all that all pans out. Um, the other thing that's happening is, super, is Major Rugby will be kicking off soon, so I'm looking forward to that new confidence system, um, so... Uh, I'm not sure, but you've got to say um, that um, Seattle uh, um, Saracens will be looking to go for the third one. Not Seattle Saracens, sorry. Um, Seattle mm. and Sea, the sea Wolves are looking to go for the third one, uh, up the third, third victory there. So um, that will be a. You've got to, you're going to say it's going to be hard to see who's going to push them. Um, I will be doing a Fiori's only uh, show about that on uh, over the uh, next week or so, so look out for that. But predictions for rugby in general, I think it's going to be a bit of a quiet year in some ways. But I think we're about to see a massive amount of change in the next three years um, because of the CBC investment. Um, they haven't got this; they haven't finalised Six Nations one yet, but they've already put a new a new CEO in charge of Premiership Rugby. Um, and I think times they are changing, Stephen. Yeah, even uh, even I suspect on the on the local front, obviously a new C, CEO, um, new coaching staff for uh, for All Black Rugby. It'll it'll be really interesting to see some of the lessons. I know you, you, you spoke um, about uh, about Ben Darwin before, yeah. and and he always um, writes a lot of interesting stuff. Um, for any of the any of the viewers out there, there's a <clears throat> a website called the 
the game line game line report, and there's some really interest, interesting stuff about the way that the game is is being played at the minute, and what some teams are doing better than others per se. Yeah, so I, so I think it'd be. I, I don't expect it to be um, big change this year. We've gotten that the the, the global, ch- global season changes with the July win, with the gym window moving to July. Super Rugby is changing in 2021, um, so those are already set in stone. Um, so I think we might have a relatively quiet political year um, in rugby um, as everyone takes a sort of breath after the rugby rugby World Cup as well on a playing front. Um, is my kind of general rugby prediction, but I think we're going to see lots of red cards this year. <laughs> yes, and, and unfortunately the referees just seem to be getting tougher on that. I know in, in sevens there's, there's pretty much zero tolerance if you if you basically knock a ball down going for an intercept, it's pretty much the players are, it's what's quite hilarious, the players are, are pretty much running off the field before they start. Um, Paul, I'm just going to just back the truck a little bit just to um, a, a, an article that's on, on the game line and it's basically headed only as strong as the weakest link. As the old saying goes, a team is only as strong as its weakest link, regardless how strong the team is overall. A weak link can be exploited if found by the opposition. Um, and, and pretty much it's, it's quite interesting in this article. It touches on a team like the All Blacks who have had players for a long time. And sometimes your best players can be your weakest link as well, Paul, um, if, 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 if they're targeted. And there's sort of little excerpts throughout this uh, this this particular particular article that that makes that makes you think, but it also makes you think about how coaches, if if, if coaches are basically, I, I think moving forward, coaches are going to have a little bit more nerve to think about specific game plans and who they're actually playing against. Just because you look a million bucks playing one side one week. Do you go and do you go into the next next game maybe sort of tweaking some of your personnel just to basically uh, play in the mind of the of the team that you're up against because they're expecting something but you're doing something completely different. Maybe we saw a little bit of that with the All Blacks when they ch- they changed one of their loose forwards around for the England game, expecting to do something else, but pretty much got um, got got shut down in a in a specific area. So it's a really, really interesting article. So if anybody wants to jump on and have a look at that, it's the game line. If we can remove my old friend Ben Darwin, who uh, played for the Wallabies, and, and it's some really thought-provoking stuff. Yeah, I'd say I've chatted with Ben on Twitter quite frequently, and yeah, he's uh, they are doing some really great stuff at some game. I had his business partner, I've forgotten who it is now, on a show a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, they're doing some wonderful, wonderful stuff over there. Um, the other thing... Uh, that I guess you, you come between one or two two places. Someone like Exeter, for example, um, Baxter has said, "Look, why would we practice um, drop goals and things in the 22 when we know we have our pick and go is fantastic, um, and we just practice that over and over again so we get it right. So you know what's going to happen once Exeter are within 10 meters. Questions: Can you stop it? Um, and it's a matter of." How much do you get so good at something that people can't stop you and just play your game? And how much oh. do you find the weakness and try and adapt to beating the opposition's weakness? Um, and I guess we're going to see, yeah, the, the best coaches are going to get that balance right. Um, and, and that can be the difference between the, the... When we're talking about these 1% differences, that's the kind of difference that, 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 that's, um, 
between championship sides and good sides. Paul, sometimes when you, you know, I spoke about the, the, um, the situation where Leinster put on about 30-odd phases together, you know, whilst they weren't making a lot of ground, man, it was impressive because their cleaners, their cleaners were giving the jacklers, um, players coming through, just absolutely no time. And the, the halfbacks were just getting absolute armchair rides. And it was really, really in, impressive to watch where if you think down in New Zealand, Basically, the first instinct is, is, to, is pretty much to attack, you know, try and create really quick ball. So they don't create that many phases. They just want to go a little bit wider. But obviously up in the Northern Hemisphere, England, you spoke about Exeter before. And yeah, I saw those phases they put together. They are, they are you know, nine times out of ten, if they're picking, picking and going inside your 22, they score. They do it, they do it so well. And... Uh, here we go again. It's really up to the up to the coaches to basically devise devise some tactics to try and stop it legally. Yep. Um, the uh, <laughs> well, Craig Crabstyle has joined in chat and said uh, England are going to rock through the Six Nations, in my opinion. No coaching setups compared to England's. The problem is that England's coaching setup has disappeared. All you've got left is Eddie Jones. All his assistants have left. So, so whilst they've got the head coach, they need he needs guys to do the actual tracksuit work. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see who he brings in to replace that, uh, and whether England do continue with the coaching setup that, they, that, that they've got. So, final piece then: New Year's resolutions for different teams. Obviously, Saracens to obey the to obey the, to obey the rules <laughs> of whatever competition they're playing in, um, and to actually admit when they've made mistakes would be nice. Um, a New Year's resolution for all halfbacks to not wave their hands in the air, air would be nice. Uh, that, that, that'll last about two seconds into the first game. Any for your, any from yourself? Um, <clears throat> no, not, not too many. There's, there's not too many, too many things that are, uh, listen, probably a resolution for me is sometimes I, I just kind of wish the officials will just have a, have a little bit more of a, Empathetic feel for for for, cert, for certain situations. We do we do see situations sometimes where players like we saw the you know we spoke about maybe a couple of weeks ago about the Ben I don't know if you saw Ben Smith get sent off against um, who were Poe he was playing for Poe and I forget who he was who they were playing against might have been Stud Francais or one of those one of one of those teams and he was sent off for. Um, elbow connection to the head, but boy, if you if you kind of look at that in real time, he's getting the ball, and all he can really do is put his elbow up at the at, at the at, at the as same soon, time. Almost... As soon as you put your forearm away from your body and you make contact with someone's head, you're in trouble. Simple. You know that. the you know the crazy thing about it. Had he not got his arm up, he probably would have been the victim of a high tackle, falling you know falling into. It's just. You're yeah, it's just it, 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 it's something it's something that does, something that does my head it it it, 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 it really does. Um, but you either have consistency or empathy. I'm afraid you can't have both. Um, um, Hugh um, says his number one year's resolution for the Wallabies is to um, is consistency on on field. Yeah, no more rocks and diamonds. And also, he says for yeah. fans to give the Wallabies coaching staff some time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's and, that, and to be honest, that's a that's a fair call. Yeah, 
Um, my other one, from a personal point of view, I, New Year's resolution. God, come on, Blues, you've got to come right sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I and I and I and I and I say that from a from a from a from an area that's got a big base, and it's not just Auckland as well. It's Harbour and, and Northland as well. And for crying out, crying out loud, it's about time you guys fronted up. It's it's as simple as that. Oh dear. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, the Blues don't overplay. Kiriwani, basically, and don't give Rico Rani any any weekends off. <laughs> Those are the two things you need to do. Shut shut down Wi-Fi at home. No Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, happy New Year, Stephen. Thank you very much for uh, for, for coming on. Um, yeah. Have a good evening, whatever you're up to. Um, no, listen, listen, it's been fun, and I've just been sort of looking at the Twitter handle and uh, and and a lot of. Uh, Great thoughts out there. Wishing everybody who's come on the show, obviously, a happy new year, and and all to those subscribers out there. We want to keep this man going. So, uh, <laughs> Paul, you can tell tell everybody where they can subscribe to. But that's a very happy new year to yourself, and uh, of course, every, all our, all the guests that have been on the show as well. Without them, uh, I'll tell you what, you wouldn't be able to sort of piece all this uh, uh, content together. And it's uh, definitely a lot of fun. Just uh, make sure if you're out on the roads, just Drive safely and uh, don't overdo it with the alcohol. All yeah, the don't drink and drive. Oh, if, if you want to overdo it with the alcohol, that's fine, but don't drink and drive. Um, <laughs> the, um, Just send your alcohol to Paul. <laughs> so drivingworld.com, head over there and uh, you'll find that there are Patreon-only um, articles. Click on any of those and you can sign up there. Uh, some Patreon-only articles coming your way as saying, and look at um, the structure and what's happening with Major League Rugby. I'm going to preview that over the next two weeks. Also, um, I'm looking at putting together a three-part series looking at how rugby is likely to change over the next few years. So look at what's going to happen initially, um, what's happening now at the moment, because stuff is stuff's already in the works. Then look at what CBC did with um, Formula One. Um, and then the third show is to look at what can we learn from what CBC did with Formula One and so what it's likely to do with the Pro 14, um, Gallagher Premiership and Six Nations, i.e. European rugby. Because um, that will then impact the rest of the world. The rest of the world has to gets is, is being driven by let's be honest the spending power of Europe um, and uh, th that only promises to get bigger so those three shows will be coming up over the next um, three or four weeks so uh, if you want to have access to those become a supporter of driving more um, for as much as you like per month it's sort of a dollar as much as fifty dollars up to you um, I've got that's I've got people all, in, in, at all levels in between um, so thank you very much happy new year thank you very much Stephen and everyone who has been on the shows um, People like Ashwin, um, Steve, Herman, jeez, uh, um, <coughs> Shane, uh, Hugh, um, who else? Uh, Will Mike Pullman, um, the attacking scrum who have been on a show with me, um, and yeah, loads of other people. Thank you, everyone who has helped out on the channel in the last year. Um, hopefully, you're all going to help out next year as well. And. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we'll be there. And hey, if you want to touch base with me during the off season, my Twitter handle is at Stephen seventy three underscore H. So yeah, just just chuck me a line. Um, I know I normally can chuck some controversial stuff out there, and um, I'm just trying to think of something controversial at the moment. Can't cool. think of anything. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Um, I'll be back tomorrow night, probably for a solo show for the All Black Edition. So um, check that out too.